Welcome to Afterthoughts, everybody. It is our recommend or refute episode. We're going to go around the table and each recommend or refute something different that we each watched this past week. With me is the usual crew, John Garcia. How you doing? Hey, I am doing well. Mental sanity check-in. I'm still sane, and it is the early days of Schlocktober. So I we'll don't believe you. Well, yeah, we'll see where this goes. <laughs> Got to give it to the end of the 31 days, man. <laughs> uh, Ryan, Ryan King, how you doing? Yeah, I'm also doing good. Yeah, I'm watching, definitely watching people get eviscerated this <laughs> this season. Uh, yeah. So far, okay. My mental Turned toll is also season okay. Off strong. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, John, you want to kick us off? What did you watch this week? I watched Schlock this week, Dixon. You I am that. shocked. Uh, yes. Yeah. John. No, that's the name of the movie, though. I watched Schlock. The oh, movie. okay. That's the uh, 1973. I am kind of surprised <laughs> that had, had you watched this like 58 times before? Or no, I've never seen Schlock before. I cannot believe that. <laughs> All of the things I'm going to say are both lies and truth. <laughs> Simultaneously. <laughs> I speak in riddles now. <laughs> <laughs> um Schlock I watched. <laughs> I don't speak in Yoda's. <laughs> um yeah, I, I watched Schlock. It's the first film uh directed by John Landis. From the dawn of man comes Schlock. A beast from twenty million years ago stalks the streets of today. A love stranger than King Kong. A monster more powerful than Godzilla. See, a small California town learn the true meaning of terror. Bananas! And now, Schlock. There is no place to hide. No one is safe from Schlock. 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 John Landis, who's done so many other things uh, that he should be proud of, you know, uh, not Max Landis, obviously, but the other things too are great. Um, <laughs> so you should be ashamed of his child. Yes, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Schlock is, um, God, where do you even start with this movie? Uh, so this is my first movie of Schlocktober. For those of you out there who are new to the concept of Schlocktober and what the fuck that even means. Uh, every October, uh, as of, I think three years ago, two years ago, something like that. I have just started subjecting myself. Yeah. Year yeah. three. I've started subjecting myself to, um, any kind of film, uh, depending upon the poster, the synopsis, the year, uh, for 31 days in October, I don't do horror. I do things that you should be afraid of. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> things these, that keep you these, awake. At yes. Night. These films, <laughs> why did they make this, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, I kick the remote away. I can't stop the movie uh, and it just has to play out and I have to accept it. Um, this is, uh, I don't, I don't know where this idea came from, but I latched onto it and I'm riding it hard. To be clear, um, this is not John just finding random movies to watch. This is John seeking out the most poorly made movie. You know, I just, I just found out. So I have a pro just watch member, <laughs> just watch subscription. Of oh, flex. Wait, what do you get um, from a, a pro just watch subscription? I, just, I don't pay for it. I just, you, you search can for things. sort by the year that it came out. Okay. 
it's like thanks just watch really bringing it home you get no ads or something yeah Yeah. nope you still get ads (laughs) (laughs) you get all that just watch goodness but you can sort by i think rating other things aside from just watching oh you you can sort by runtime that's the other pro benefit you get thanks just watch this uh podcast but what are you sorting like you just search for the movie to see where it's streaming like well so i started sorting by well one when you sort in tubi which is where i go for my trash for that's where the trash is left um tubi has recently changed their algorithm to no longer return every movie like shot or released in a certain year now they just return any fucking thing doesn't matter uh because they have an ai that will tell you what you want to watch uh and so i have to fall back to just watch and use their heavy query system, which, by the way, does not let you start from the bottom up in ratings. I'm very disappointed in you just watch, oh. assuming I would want to watch classic Something films good. from any era. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so you don't know, John. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, I'm the user you didn't account for. <laughs> um, so I have to sort by runtime above 70 minutes. Hey, that's how we get there. We need to get that checkered flag in to say you're a feature. I bet you're cutting off some real bad shit with that oh, 70 yeah. minute requirement. I would beg to differ that there's still some real good shit somewhere in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, I sorted everything this year with Just Watch using those fancy filters in my pro account, Flex. Uh, and I came up with a, a list, a secret list that nobody will know unless you follow my letterbox and find out what the fuck I've been subjecting myself to. And Schlock I don't recommend it. It's terrifying. The first thing. Um, <laughs> there will also be a website posted, uh, and I'll put details later on that, um, where you can watch some of these movies maybe a little condensed, maybe like five minutes of your day. How does that sound? Might yeah. not be too bad. I will say that John's little five-minute edits of the Schlock movies are very entertaining and, and funny and very worth watching. Do not, under any circumstances, watch the entire length of any of the movies that, that is, John watches uh, during October. Absolutely, but the five-minute edit like a, is pretty fucking funny. The Surgeon like General a kind of a drinking game. Yeah, <laughs> you just see yeah. how far you can get through what John gets through. Yeah, I dare you, <laughs> but I also don't advise you. Uh, that's more important for legal disclaimers. Um, anyways, so Schlock was my first stop off. I have done Schlocktober for three years now and I have not watched this movie and I knew it was out there because Schlock is that's like where the definition of Schlock comes from is John Landis's first film I didn't Um, know that and after that movie came out a lot of things could be described as this is Schlock why the fuck would I want to watch Schlock uh it knows exactly what it is it is a parody of b-movie like those b-movies from the 50s and 60s that we uh, I'm sure we're all very aware of. There's a giant octopus. There's giant ants. There's fucking nuclear fallout. Whatever. Every sci-fi movie before 2001. Exactly. There's yep. fucking bad yeah. actors everywhere. Um, not in like a, a malicious way. Just like they're on. fucking are bad actors. <laughs> there's <laughs> bad science on. at play. There's a yeah. lot of drooling fucking monologues, and uh, you get a monster in a rubber suit. Um, so Schlock is. Some independent filmmaker decided, John Landis, uh, that he would get up and, and make a movie that made fun of those. At the same time, uh, he was going to try to make a good movie while he was skewering that. So Schlock is this like mix of um, absurdism, parody, and satire that goes into an hour and a half of a B-movie. And it's all about a man in a monkey suit. Uh, in the movie's context, that is actually just a straight up monkey man. It's like a 
some kind of in between Neanderthals and something else, uh, or one of the 2001 um, kind of apes. That's kind of what it looks like from the IMDb screenshots. The movie even starts with like a trailer-esque voice that's like, you remember like these iconic movies and you remember. Yeah, and it's like (laughs) 2001, A Space Odyssey, and now you'll forever remember Schlock. And then they just go. Um, There's like a detective who's trying to solve the case of the banana murders, which anytime that there are people in a densely populated area with bananas, they all end up murdered by something. Nobody knows what it is. And this like balding detective standing over all the corpses is like, we need to put out an APB on whatever the fuck could have caused this. And then from there, the movie just goes off the rails. Like it's like 10 minutes in And this monkey is just wandering into random scenes and either causing violence, like by throwing people in a way or causing confusion. And so like they have a news anchor that shows up on the scene to report and he's talking about how they don't know what's going on, but there's something out there that's killing people. And he starts interviewing somebody. Turns out that somebody is Schlock, the fucking monkey man, and he doesn't recognize it for like a solid ten minutes. The, the like, news guy's interviewing the yes, the he's killer. he's like, sir, what did you think about this? And the fucking monkey can't make any sense of it. But <laughs> does he speak English? No. The John Landis plays the monkey man, and he does a phenomenal job. There's a whole diatribe, like a sidebar in the movie where Schlock somehow wanders into a movie theater and starts watching classic films and having emotional reactions to them. And it's like the most bizarre, weird shit. And there's like a love story that forms. And then there's like, it follows all the the narrative beats of a B movie where like, even at the end, somebody is like, looks like it was beauty that killed the beast (laughs) and like the most inappropriate time. And the sheriff or the fucking detective is like, the fuck is wrong with you? Like it's just the flat line delivery of like, we really need to fucking get your head checked. You're just saying weird shit at random times. Um, and so it fucking soliloquize this <laughs> yeah. is real life. Just so do that. It, it definitely has that feeling of like, Hey, this is like a scrappy production. There's a lot of indie kind of filmmaker, like, uh, you know, Moxie at work making these fucking goofy gags, one-off jokes, other things that, they, they clearly thought would be funny in the moment. Um, and I had a great time. I laughed a shit ton. Sasha watched it with me. And Sasha also is like the, the next few days, it wasn't one of those things where like Ryan talks about how Darla talked about the movie the next day. Sasha kind of vaguely was like, how's your Schlocktober going? Have the other movies been, uh, you know, anywhere near what Schlock was? And I'm like, oh no, they've all been awful. And she's like, yeah, Schlock was actually like, you know, it was like good. Like I could watch it again, I guess. Like it'd be fine. She she very like she wasn't trying to like ask questions about it, but she was like, Yeah, no, that from what I remember, that was a good movie. I would enjoy that again. It was weird. <laughs> so has semi-endorsement from her. Okay. Um but yeah, like if you want to see where the fucking term got its origin, watching Schlock is not a bad way to find out. Uh it was fun. I may or may not have been on some mind-altering substances when I watched it, and that may have made it better. But I have a strong feeling I'll watch it again when I'm perfectly sober and crystal clear mind and I'll still have a good time with it. It's just lighthearted fun. So, yeah. This was like kicked off Landis's career because he's like pretty solid hits after this. Did he act after this or is this just like a thing that he he did to just get this movie made? 
I I don't know. He's I know been an he's actor in like, 114 films. Oh, so yes. So he <laughs> yeah, has definitely but it's acted. usually like cameo sort of or like a small part, right? Where he's kind of like a cameo kind of thing. I think of a lot of those. I don't know how many he was like a yeah. Yeah, and this is like right uh right, you know, he then would go on to do Animal House and American Werewolf in London and unfortunately he would also have the um co-directing rights with uh, uh joe dante and steven spielberg for the twilight zone movie and i think it's yeah. under john landis's direction that he did there was a death on the the set of the twilight zone the movie helicopter or whatever they crashed sad. yeah but um yeah i'm glad he's he's back in filmmaking i mean was it his fault i think it might have been like it was a combination thing. of efforts it was, <laughs> it was yeah, a system of failures yeah, it's just one of those yeah like, there was like a it's working... like an alec baldwin situation or like what yeah kind of yeah, they like were like a... working way too long they had the kids there like when the they weren't died. supposed to Jesus. yeah it was nighttime mm-hmm. shot um i think the pilot was like tired like there were so many things that were like a bad idea yeah and so that kind of like put a lull in there and then he came back and and continued on with his career but yeah schlock is like such a strong start there's like so far he can go from here just watching it it was like it's one of those things where when I watched it, I at times I thought this shouldn't make me laugh, but it's making me laugh. Not like an it's inappropriate, but like oh fucking come on, this joke, but it works. Like it just in the context of the movie, it's just so strong. So I enjoyed it. Had a good time. Good good start to October. The other two movies I've watched since uh, I can't recommend at all. So <laughs> you know, and I'll never tell you what those are. So you out there, watch out. There's landmines. <laughs> um how did the uh monkey murderer get its name schlock like how did that that word is now in the zeitgeist yeah. and it means these shitty movies like how it what is the context for its name in the film i think that the context so the film's context is that uh some scientist just decides to randomly name it schlock and it makes it like a, a write-off kind of thing mm. and i think that's john landis's kind of thing too is because the you think about a B movie where they're telling you what to be afraid of, and they're like the terrifying, the like mystifying, the gigantic three hundred foot octopus. But here it's like the mystify, like oh, it's gonna murder you, the schlock, and you're like, the fuck did you say to me? <laughs> and so just invent a weird word. Yeah, and, and so uh, I think John Landis was just like, yeah, just fucking schlock, you know, just run with it. And so every character delivering it stone faced in the movie is great. It's really funny. But it's also really funny to see a creature that's supposed to be like the banana murderer known as Schlock gently scooting his way through an audience in a theater. (laughs) He's not saying, I'm sorry, excuse me, but he's just like, and everybody's like, oh, fuck my popcorn. Like, oh, God, like (laughs) nobody gives a shit about the ape man named Schlock sitting next to them watching. Oh, yeah. You're just mad that someone is in your way while you're trying to watch. Exactly. I get it. (laughs) It's just like. Yeah, it's great. It's funny to watch him take the wind out of the sails of like any of those old horror movies. So it's fun. It's a good parody. All right. Interesting. Ryan, what do you got for us? Uh, yeah. So during October, I like to watch uh, horror movies and horror franchises. Um, I used to watch the same horror movies over and over again. But this uh, last few years, I've been going and trying to like watch the staple horror movies, you know, and deep into their horrible franchises yeah what did you do first it was um yeah so last year i did like a how i talked about halloween friday the 13th yeah. mm-hmm. child's play we Rankin talked Bass. about hellraiser and i watched all the Rankin bass movies <laughs> <laughs> 
So this time I watched, uh, you know, the, the, the best horror movie of 2023, the box office bomb Elemental. No, I do want to make a quick shout out before I talk about the actual horror movie I watched. I did watch Elemental uh, and it honestly was like not that bad. Um, oh, that's I, the best thing I've heard about it. <laughs> yeah, really. I do think that the uh, trailers just did it a real disservice because the trailers made it look like kind of a lot of already Disney and Pixar movies that have been out, kind of like the same thing. Um, but w- honestly, weirdly, it, it is an immigrant story. It's like unclear from the trailer at all. I don't know why yeah. they didn't do that. Um, where like the fire elements are moving into the city where these other elements already are and they're kind of ostracized, don't fit in because fire's like, you know, a little too dangerous to the other elements. And it it very much is like, you know, it's American Tale is the other animated uh, movie I can think of. It's like, like an the Italians story. or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It kind of is that, yes, like Italian, Jewish, whatever, whatever it is, Irish mm-hmm. kind of coming in and then establishing their culture and their area. And the kind of like fight between that, um, not at all what that trailer made it look like. I was very surprised by that. Yeah. Now it doesn't come to be like amazingly stand out, but I did appreciate like it doesn't have a big villain or any of the other tropes that you would expect to have. It's it's like oddly grounded for what the hell it is. Um, but I, I do want to talk about the horror movie I watched was The Conjuring. All right, it's nine eighteen. We're headed down into the cellar where the doors just opened on its own. Give us a sign that you want to communicate with us. What are you guys? Well, we've been called ghost hunters, paranormal researchers. But we prefer to be known simply as Ed and Lorraine Warren. It's November 1st, 1971. I'm sitting here with Carolyn Perrin, who, with her family, has been experiencing supernatural occurrences. You're picking up anything in here, hon? Something awful happened here, Ed. What is it? There's a lady in a dirty nightgown that I see in my dreams. She's standing in front of my mom's bed. Because that's also at like eight movies now with The Nun 2 yeah, coming so out many this year. fucking movies now. I've not yeah, seen any I, of them and I don't plan on it. <laughs> yeah, I had also not seen any of them or been particularly interested and I always throw them shade. So I figured I owed it to at least watch it this season. Um, and yeah, it sucked. Um, <laughs> what if, I've said if about Patrick it before. Wilson is headlining your movie, you've made a wrong turn somewhere. Hey, I love Patrick Wilson. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you on that one. I think that um, he is a great Chevy Chase stand. That's <laughs> a stunt double. He would work really well. Um, Chevy Chase has some talent. You know, like there, there are things that he can do well. Patrick Wilson is just that forgettable white guy that you're just like, oh, yeah, that that guy. Uh, he's yeah. there. Yeah. He does a good job of Watchmen that. for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he does a good job of that here. Because they thought who the would guy. be a sadder Batman? <laughs> <laughs> Sad man. Anyways, right. Um, yeah, so anyway, Conjuring 2013. Uh, it, this is, uh, honestly, it is the Amityville horror over again, even though it tries to act like it's not that story. Um, this one actually just like officially embrace like, the Warrens and all their bullshit uh, and the family that moved into the house. That's the Amityville house or what it is or isn't or whatever. 
these are to, to be clear the warrens, the warrens are like the people who kind of perpetuated the haunting myth in, at amity no right the like, amityville they, they, family perpetuated it the the dad of the amityville horror like perpetuated right. that story for his own gains the warrens are demonologists i'm putting in quotation marks there yes who like perpetuate their own acclaim through these different supernatural investigations they've done i, I took a class i took a uh, an elective class in demonology in, in college yeah damn it i took yeah. one in vi- <laughs> vampirology <laughs> compare notes <laughs> the, the warrens as they were trying to get their bullshit career off did go do some of the like ghost hunter stuff you know at the time this is a long time ago before the tv shows uh, at the Amityville Horror House or whatever and claimed things or whatever and used kind of like rode the coattails a little bit mm-hmm. at the same time. Uh, they're the ones that have the Annabelle doll and all that, you know, some other crap along those lines. Um, the movie open starts with like a wall of text bullshit, a bit like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They they try to tell you like this stuff is real and it's horrible and the Warrens are these amazing demonologists and that Ed Warren is the only person that's not a priest who's recognized by the Catholic Church to do <laughs> exorcisms. I sure. Yeah. They wouldn't even recognize Max von Sydow? Come on. Yeah. Um they started off with uh the Warrens hearing about and getting the Annabelle doll, which they just keep and like put on a fucking shelf. Um and are like okay with just having in their house even though they believe this shit <laughs> is real uh and then we kind of get like the intro to the family moving in the house and all that and it's fucking exactly the amityville horror right they move in weird shit happens they call out the warrens weird shit happens uh they don't move away even though horrible things keep happening they never think it's a good idea to move uh, of course not it, honestly this movie just just does exactly what i thought it was going to do it's like it just uses music stings fake jump scares jump scares some you know weird looking stuff people like in the background walking by into darkness you know they're like oh god what was that did i see it kind of crap and that's it it doesn't have any semblance of like a point i feel like that there has to be some myth that it's built around or concept or something there has to be some establishment of like actual rules that maybe they get those rules get broken or or something, but it's like this movie right off the bat jumps in and is like, yeah, there's demons. Here's a demon. Here's an example, and then tells you like there's a demon in this house, and just immediately tells you all that and constantly shows it to you throughout it. Uh, and then they just say some Latin, and it's over. Like the <laughs> ending is very, yeah, like it's you know like it kind of just uses the Exorcist thing. Like we'll say some stuff, we'll throw some holy water, it floats around the room. Uh, and then it goes away. Does the I head turn 360 degrees? Does that happen at any point? Not close. Sort of a kind of some similar stuff. It does do <laughs> a few of the thing. Like the person goes upside down on the ceiling. There is some like head. Turn. It was like it just yeah everything. It it does technically barf, but after the demon's gone. So no. You know. But th- this stuff is there. So it's um, literally just an exorcist knockoff. It's kind of an exorcist knockoff, and it's kind of an Amityville horror knockoff. Like it's just the same. You know, those were exact. Those were totally influenced by some of that stuff historically. And then this is influenced by those movies and the same ish events. Yeah. So it felt very derivative. There wasn't anything particularly memorable about it. I I think it was just horror movies have been so shitty for so long and that this kind of 
fit into the slasher mold a little bit more and just hit at the right time. I guess that people thought it was cool that it has decent ratings, which confuses me. And all the subsequent ones have terrible ratings. Yeah. As far as I can tell, they're all the same shit. Um, so I don't know why at the time people thought this one was all right. It's because this one has significantly less jump scares, Ryan. Speaking from no, it has a lot and of jump scares. Watched, oh, more there are more jump scares in the other ones. <laughs> in the later ones, probably. fucking trivial. They like desensitize you so hard to jump scares. It's so stupid. You can tell yeah. when it's telegraphing. All right, I and thought it was just constantly that. There are like side characters I don't care about. The family's not really ex- established other than they moved here and they love each other. That's it. <laughs> that's, um, that's all you need. All you need there's is like love. Five kids, and I can't fucking keep track of who they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those where I'm like, if I was writing the script and like I, you know, we, we were talking earlier, you know, on previous on, on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre about like based on reality, I'm like, I, Tanya's not real, right? When you make a movie <laughs> like that, sometimes you're like, well, I need this kind of character, but I don't want to have too many people. So I'm just going to kind of like edit it down yeah, to make one person kind of fit the roles. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, you're moving in, you have some kids, right? Do you need five of them? Are, are we married to five children? Can we let a couple go yeah. in this yeah. script? <laughs> Put a few um, these up for adoption. <laughs> yeah. Just because the real family had five kids doesn't mean we need to have five kids in here. Right. So yeah, yeah it was seriously. just that. Just where have like, two kids and, and put all of the characteristics into the two kids. People are yeah. going to see that the story is bullshit in Wikipedia anyway. Like what right. the fuck even real trying, quickly, yeah. <laughs> they, they bring in a couple other people to help them with their demonology. It has no point. Two of them flirt. That goes nowhere. It has no point. Like <laughs> there was just, yeah, there was so much where I was like, this is just like w- dragging along. And it does a lot of like, you talking about B horror. It does a lot of like jump scare and then people talking and talking <laughs> and talking <laughs> about demons and what happened in this house and it's explaining shit man. and showing yeah. videos of other shit. And yeah, and then back to a jump scare and then talking <laughs> and talking and yeah, so I was I'm out. I'm not going to watch any of the other ones honestly either unless for some reason it comes up. Um probably yeah. a good call. Like it's not yeah, anywhere near a classic horror franchise. Like, when I hear one of them like jumps the the, the I don't know, horror shark whatever it is. <laughs> um the big shark. Like it, a- Annabelle's in space or it gets like meta <laughs> on itself or something then i'm interested but for Does that now mean you're gonna yeah, watch like, amityville in best. space ryan because i texted you about it i was aware of amityville in space <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, the, the screenshots you sent me definitely piqued my interest <laughs> <laughs> well don't <laughs> it's not worth it but yeah um, we've watched hellraiser in space we've watched freddy with uh jason x i guess freddy hasn't been to space jason x yeah <laughs> So I like Vera Farmiga. I haven't seen her in a lot of things, but she is so good in The Departed and she hasn't really gotten very many other like good roles to play, but she's so good in that movie. And whenever she's in something, I think, oh, maybe I should check that out. And then I read the script and I'm like, that sounds bad. Um, is she good in the movie? I, I think she is. I don't yeah, know. I think she, well, I would say like she's kind of the only ish thing. Well, because <laughs> that, uh, that works. Like, was it Elaine? Yeah. Elaine Warren is supposed to be what is it? Or uh, a psychic, or a medium. Yeah, she's like so she's supposed to kind of like be able to tap into the energy of a house. She can see the stuff or something. Yeah, and yeah. so for like an actor, that's like fucking gold because you want to be able to touch you. 
you touch a piece of wallpaper and you have like all these emotions. And I feel like she does a great job of bringing them to the surface. Like when she's seeing something or living something, it's really well done. Yeah. In the scope of the or movie. she sees a vision and she like freaks out about it or whatever I thought was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Lily Taylor that plays the, the mother that moves in. I thought she was pretty good. Um, I like Ron Livingston, but it's just sort of like oh, I love a role Ron that he's yeah. this is just not a role for him. He just is like supposed to be playing white bread dad. Now, uh, and he Ron does, Livingston but like what's in the like point? The original Amityville Horror might be interesting. That could be something. I yeah. would love to see Ron Livingston go fucking crazy and <laughs> right, yeah. lose his mind. Here, here, yeah, here he just gets to be like confused. Yeah, <laughs> most of the time as to what's going on. He walks uh, around I, with the Warrens almost like they're plumbers. He's like, so uh, what do we got here? Yeah, what's in there? <laughs> like, what's what's, there? A, what's in this basement? I don't understand. He's like the insurance adjuster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you're not recommending The Conjuring. No. no, I don't even think there. there's really not anything. Yeah. I wasn't, what, one it. more comment. I remember when it came out, and I didn't, I never saw it, but I remember when it came out, there was this like freak out about the movie among the movie watching populace. And there were all these people saying like, this is the scariest movie that's ever been made. And it's like fucking insane and all this stuff. And it's just so such this visceral experience. Clearly that's not either of your experiences. What do you think made people have that reaction? Was it just like idiot people who had never seen a good scary movie before? Or or like, you know, why is, why did it have that effect on the cultural zeitgeist? Yeah, I'm going to say, so there's, I'm like jumbling around my thoughts here, but I, I do think there's something to be said about watching a horror movie like in, with a crowd uh-huh. and kind of like what that experience was. And I remember when I was younger going to like some of the Scream movies, which are just straight comedy. Yeah, those are not really, yeah. yeah, it's supposed to be scary, but people like actually like screaming or jumping during it. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I mean, you kind of give in to the experience, but I'm like, honestly, like, are we really like, yeah. um, but then you watch something like The Shining or Texas Chainsaw Massacre and you actually get disturbed, like right. you get unsettled yeah. or Silence of the Lambs, like they're unsettling. Um, they're not slashers or horror exactly, right? They're, I mean, they're, they're thriller horror type of a situation. They're not these like jump scared things or whatever yeah um even though there may be some you know uh, yeah dude midsummer fucking does that kind of fucks with me yeah but the part like hereditary we did talk about that i was like the part that Mm -hmm. people talk about is when she's like all possessed or whatever and like banging her head and climbing on the ceiling neck yeah Yeah, and that's the stupidest part of that movie yes (laughs) (laughs) right but i'm like i think what makes those scenes work really well is the naked people that you can barely see in the background. Yeah, that's that just like freak you out. Well, like, yeah, Tony Collette's going ape shit and she's doing her thing and she's doing a great job. But like, there's like, there's a dick over there. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you could barely see it. No, like, like, is that a dick or is was my mind imagining dude, it? Yeah, somebody could be <laughs> stabbing themselves right in front of me. But if there's a sausage in the dark, I fucking just freak the shit out. Uh, <laughs> there's it, a saggy old guy over in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't <Yes>. like it. <laughs> no, it follows, right? That's like the whole thing. And it follows yeah. and it's fucking yeah. creepy. Uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> That movie's great. great yeah. Um, so I think that this movie has a bunch of those jump scares. It has that like several times the like, did I see that? Did I not see that? You know, creepy person in like old timey clothing walking by a door, 
you know, kind of shit that I think people, you know, you do viscerally are kind of like, oh, that's weird. But it's not really that unsettling as much, Mm -hmm. you know, when you know in the it's like in a film, like I'm like, I just sort of know that it's in the bound of film and I don't get a psychological hit from it that I think some people do. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think it's just the more like if you're younger and this is a early ish horror movie that you go watch like yeah you'll be kind of freaked out but i'm like honestly i'm like i sat here and watched the conjuring and i'm sure if my kids walked around the corner they'd be scared and kind of freaked out but when i was sitting there watching the texas chainsaw massacre i was making sure they weren't walking around the corner into my office because they'd be fucking scarred for life yes (laughs) yeah that's Um, yeah i i feel like that's the difference too is you know it's an asterisk when they say it's like the scariest film they mean it's the jump scariest for me that's right that's how i interpret not the most disturbing or unsettling yeah sticks with you that you think about for days afterwards yeah because there's other shit that i've seen that's like way more disturbing like annihilation like sticks with me that's just fucking stuck in my brain forever and like yeah these other movies that are just way more mentally scarring um that i the conjuring is like it's a fun ride and i mean that's like saying it's the scariest movie is like saying it's the scariest ride you know it's like oh it takes you like where are you oh no the spooky thing and it made your stomach just, jump into your throat yeah. And, oh. yeah and and then you're done and and you don't have to think about it ever again because fine um also like i know that this probably topic has been uh just tread again and again but why aren't there ghosts from like right now that we do movies about? Okay. Like why isn't uh, the conjuring about some wall street dude who bet it all on stocks and killed himself. (laughs) And then you hear him trading on the 12th floor. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Like (laughs) all the ghosts are like from the 1800 to 1920s. Typically when everything was was thought of as really shitty for America is when the ghosts all exist apparently. (laughs) And uh, now they're all better. Like there's no ghosts anywhere possible. Um, Fuck it. Yeah. I have a theory. I have a theory on that. Oh, my okay. my theory is that you wouldn't find that stock trader guy scary, or some dude in an '80s visor with a fanny pack scary. You're right, but because they know that they have this established archetype that works, when those people, those ghosts, like pass on, the newer ghosts just like take up the mantle. <laughs> so yeah. like oh so, you know it's like oh this haunt this house haunting you know has been going on for like 30 years and fucking with people but I, i'm tired of it do you want to like you can do this now and i'm just gonna oh pass my on. god there's a there's a middle <laughs> section between the afterlife where you just take on menial jobs to scare yeah. the shit out of people like i actually oh, have man. a, a I know I was a, a stock trader, idea that somebody but can when steal, I died, yes. I build wagon wheels out at the yeah. old ranch. <laughs> I fuck with people. I, I had a sitcom idea that was uh, where like all these paranormal investigators actually like figure it out and were able to like make ghosts tangible, uh, <laughs> but they get like stuck okay. here. And they just become free labor because they're not technically citizens. Oh, <laughs> and they're shit. just like, no, slippery slope the to slavery. demonologists and stuff can like force them to go to a place and do things, and they're just stuck with that. And we just follow some like ghosts who are just in these menial jobs. Season two has to existence. be about them forming a union. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's they're like trying to thing. unionize. Oh my God. We all support the ghost union. We're all, we're all big supporters. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man. Cool. Uh all right, so you are not recommending The Conjuring. Yeah. No. 
not recommending or any of these subsequent ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, Well, I am going to close us out by talking about a uh, scary movie, but I wouldn't call it a horror movie, but uh, kind of a a movie that shows, um, you know, kind of a scary situation that that we could be in at some point or perhaps are approaching. Uh, I'm talking about the movie from 1984 called 1984, uh, based on the George Orwell novel from 1949. If you want a vision of the future, imagine a boot stamping on a human face forever. It's not so much staying alive, staying human is important. There are thought criminals who maintain that the resistance is not real. Believe me, Winston, it's very real. What are your true feelings towards Big Brother? I hate him. You must love him. It's not enough to obey. They can't get inside you. They can't get to your heart. No one escapes, Winston. There are no martyrs here. You will do what is required of you. How can I do it? I actually bought this movie, I bought the Criterion Blu-ray and watched it a couple of years ago, not having read the book. And I was like, oh, that was interesting, but I don't like, don't really get it. And then I finally read the book about six months ago and, and really loved the book. And I was like, I should go back and watch that movie and see like, you know, maybe I just wasn't picking up on some things. And I went back and watched it this week and really enjoyed it. But at the same time, completely understood why I didn't really fully get it the first time that I saw it because like the reading the book is clearly a prerequisite for watching the movie um it's it leaves a lot of things unsaid and it really like tonally captures the book really well but it leaves out a lot of details that are very important for like understanding why things are happening kind of you know establishing what's going on in the society and you know how we have reached this totalitarian state um, where we are here in, you know, the, uh, you know, what is supposed to be kind of Great Britain and, and the U.S. are, you know, formed in this alliance called Oceania. And there are three main global powers, Oceania, Eurasia, and East Asia. Um, you know, George Orwell wrote this book post-World War II and was kind of seeing the post-war military industrial complex in Britain building up and a lot of the, you know, kind of censorship that was going on at the time and wrote this on his deathbed, like very concerned about where his society was, was heading. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a really fascinating book. I, I highly recommend people read it. Um, and I, the reason I read, finally read the book was I had been hearing a lot of people comparing our current society to 1984. So I was like, well, I'd be interested to read this book. I've heard great things about it. Um, for some reason, it was not required reading in high school. Um, but I, I, I read it about six months ago and, and really liked it. Um, the, the movie is, is, is really good, but again, it's, it's like tonally it's perfect, but you kind of have to like read the book to understand what's going on. The, the movie doesn't under, doesn't really explain like the ministry of truth and all the, all the rules around the society around, you know, what you're allowed to say, what you're not allowed to say. Um, but I think it's an incredibly like prescient book and, and the movie does a good job of conveying those tones um 
John Hurt plays Winston, the lead character, and does a, a really great job in that role. Um, you know, if you haven't read the book or seen the movie, Winston is is kind of the main character that you're following in the book, who is a a member of the you know the ruling party in Britain, but is um, you know kind of doesn't really buy what they're feeding him, and and his kind of skeptical of of what they're saying and looking for a way out and a way to kind of enjoy other things in, in his life outside of what the government says is kind of what he is supposed to do. Um, you know, I, I think like a lot of people are comparing our modern society to 1984 from a lot of different political perspectives. You know, you have people on the left and the right that are identifying this book as like, Hey, this is, you know, really true right now. And I think some of those critiques are correct and some of them are, are incorrect. Um, but I think, you know, you you see a lot of stuff in society today where, um, you know, like the if you're outside of the establishment viewpoint on either the left or the right, you and, you know, you get censored on social media and things like that, that I think are kind of true to what the movie what, and the, the book are, you know, kind of trying to say. Um, so I, I think it's 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 very useful for, for people to like read that that book and, and the movie is a good kind of understanding of of how it feels to be in that sort of environment um the cinematography is beautiful it's shot by roger deakins it looks great oh nice. yes yeah. um it's a very dreary england uh you know kind of setting it's very gray and cloudy and and depressing um but there are scenes that are really beautiful um you know if you if you've read the book there are, are scenes kind of out in the countryside and in nature that are really well done on film that look really great. Um, Richard Burton in his final role plays O'Brien. The um, spy who came in from the cold. Exactly. Huh? Yep. Uh, Richard Burton himself. Uh, he does a great job as O'Brien. Um, I wish the movie got a little more into his character, but I think he does a, a good job with the script that he's given on, on kind of portraying that character. Um, you know, if you are not familiar with Sorry, O'Brien is an inner party member who so he's is like closer to the powers that be and the messaging that they're pushing down on the populace. And uh, Winston thinks that O'Brien might be actually be skeptical of what the party is saying and thinks he may be an ally. And, and so, um, you know, there's some interactions between them that are that are really interesting. Um, if you are sensitive to torture sequences, you may not want to watch this movie. Um, the final act of the film is a bit brutal in kind of how they portray the, you know, kind of torturing of uh, the country's own citizens. Um, but I think it's really fascinating and a, a really interesting um, portrayal of you know, kind of how the military industrial complex has turned into what it is today. You know, it's like you look at how we treat citizens of other countries with Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib and, and things like that. And, um, you know, think about how like, you know, one or two steps further, we could easily do that to American citizens and kind of not think twice about it. Um, and obviously, you know, the book was written in Britain. They don't have the same civil rights and, you know, you know that Americans do and the same protections there. Um, so I think it's probably a little bit more pressing over there, but, um, yeah, I, I really liked 1984. I wouldn't recommend watching it if you haven't read the book, because again, I, I think it's kind of hard to follow what's going on. Like you need those societal details that are written explicitly in the book. And I almost wonder if it would have benefited a little bit from 
some voiceover or a little bit more runtime. It's less than two hours. And I think, you know, if this were like a three hour epic and they had put in the necessary legwork to like really make you understand how the society is functioning and what's going on, I think it could have been like a really great kind of classic uh, film, but it doesn't quite get there. But I, I think it's really well executed and, and definitely worth watching if you've read the book. Yeah, like that's that's really interesting because I've never read the book. I have read Animal Farm and I've read. I also read I, Animal, Farm, Animal Farm recently. I bought like a book that had both Animal Farm and 1984 yeah. in it and I read them back to back. They're making an Animal Farm adaptation pretty soon, I think, too. I they think have an animated one already. Doing that shit, but they're doing it again. Um, There's an animated one back in the day. Yeah, uh, I've read that, and I've read, unfortunately, uh, a good number of Ayn Rand. Um, Wait, why? (laughs) Because that was part of the school curriculum. Oh, dear Lord. Which is Texas schools, everybody. They make you read (laughs) Ayn Rand and learn about objectivism, which is bullshit. Um, I went to a private Christian school, and we didn't have to read Ayn Rand. That's shocking. Well, that's because Ayn Rand teaches you to think for yourself in a private Christian school. (laughs) I want you to do that. But they want you to learn, they but want they want you, you to think like Ayn Rand. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, so they have yeah. to be very coy about it, yeah. obviously. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm very curious to watch this before reading the book and then watch it after and see kind of how it goes because I feel like there's an element of mystery. Like, I'm sure that there's confusion if you watch it and you don't have full context for what the society is. But I think that the implication of learning from a movie and then reading the book and then maybe watching it again might be like mm-hmm. du- like twofold because you read the book and you're like, yeah. that's fucking scary. But you watch the movie and you're like, the fuck was that about? And then you read the book and you're like, holy fuck. And then you go back and watch the movie. It's like layered over in a way that, that makes you really understand it. Cause I have a lot of people. Yeah. It was an interesting experience are, doing it in that order. Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of people in my circle who are doing the same thing where they're throwing, you know, it's the same thing as like uh, for a while, a lot of people were calling a lot of people Nazis. Um, and you yep. know, you didn't, you, they weren't anti-Semitic. They were just being fascist. You know, that's different. Um, uh, <laughs> but like, they're like little Mussolini's. They're yeah, not Nazis. Yeah, they're honestly, like yeah. Italian fascists. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so like that, that was a whole thing that happened. But I remember somebody uh, on, uh, on, on facebook telling me like you just we just wait and watch it'll be like 1984 all over again in a way that was supposed to make me go like ooh. when i'm already a dude who works in tech who works with fucking uh data gathering and like there's already been cambridge analytica and all this other shit that i'm like yeah. you think that the worst is ahead of us you <laughs> fucking motherfucker did you not see the patriot act did you not see what corporations are doing? Mm-hmm. Are you not aware that everything you're doing is being influenced by advertising <laughs> and other things that just get more of the dopamine out of you? Like it's already, we're already fucking there, man. It's already terrifying, but yeah, we're not doing Logan's run yet where we renew at age 30. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, um, everybody on this podcast is a little over that hill, yeah. So. We're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyways, uh, yeah, Ryan, w- w- what's up? Yeah, I was going to say in 1984 now, I feel like would need to be a mini series, a limited series. Yeah, it would Um, benefit from that extra time. Have have you read the book, Ryan? Yeah, I have read the book. I I was going to also mention sort of of the interesting cycle of 1984. I always think of 1984 (laughs) and Brave New World, which I know was in the 30s, but that's the same. I haven't read Brave New World yet. That's on my list of things to to read very soon, but. I've heard it's an interesting kind of different approach to the horrifying dystopia ahead of us. Yeah. There's also in like 
okay-ish adaptation of Brave New World as well. Um, but the sort of propaganda nationalism war machine of that time created those novels, which then had adaptations in the 80s, the Thatcher, Reagan yep. time kind of brought back this. And then there are books like The Handmaiden's Tale in the 80s that now is getting made and it is adapted now. So we're kind of like coming back on these again as we kind of have these nationalist movements. We kind of go back to some of these things in the past uh, and re-examine them again. Um, yeah, I've read it a few times. I have not seen that adaptation. Um, there apparently there were a bunch of other adaptations like soon after the book was written, like in the fifties and stuff that were all like radio plays pretty bad. Too. No, like movie adaptations. Yeah, um, that were supposedly not very good. And then Michael Radford made this version in nineteen eighty four, and everyone was like, "Oh, good, we finally have a good version of this." And then it kind <laughs> of like ended, and and nobody really like tried to adapt it again. Although, like you could argue that Brazil is just a nineteen eighty four adaptation, yeah. but Terry Gilliam <laughs> says he's never read nineteen eighty four, and I don't believe that motherfucker for a second. <laughs> um, and I like I I love Brazil. I think it's it's much better than than nineteen eighty four. But but I, I think nineteen eighty four is very good, and it's it's a more true adaptation of the novel it's just not establishing enough for like somebody to come in blind to it and i also wonder how much like movie making politics plays into something like that too of like yeah you have your runtime you have your act you gotta get your certain yeah. actors you have your runtime you have to do certain things we want you to add something because that's what people want to watch in the 80s was like prime for movies or it's like you have to have these things in it right um, for sure or, or we're not gonna fund your movie are there still stakes like so kind of given the the fact that you you're saying that you have to read the book before you actually see it to have full context are there still narrative stakes that you can latch on to when you watch it yeah i mean i liked the movie when i first watched it but i was kind of confused I was like okay like i kind of get what they're doing but like they would make reference to things that i didn't fully understand mm. and then like a year or two later i read the book and i was like oh that was so good like i should I should go back and watch the movie and see like maybe what I missed the first time. Cause the first time I was like, it's good, but like, it just feels like a little empty, like more vibe than substance. And then I watched it again. I was like, Oh yeah, it captures the vibe perfectly, but it just needed some more, more background. But you can still enjoy it if you haven't read the book, but I think it is very much enhanced if you have read the book and kind of understand the broader implications of the society. So you understand more of like the weight of what the characters are doing. Um, you know, it's like any, anything that the ruling party is disagreeing with is like a capital offense. Right. And so like you have like, you know, it, it's like sex is forbidden and, and like, a, a, like a, there's a bunch of stuff like you can't do and you have to just kind of toe the party line and say the things. And it's not really made clear in the movie that that is like the ramifications of these things. Um, but like it's, it's, it's fucking fat. Like the book is just so good and so fascinating. And, and they have a lot of those things in the movie in a very visceral way that work really well. Like there's a thing in the book called the two minutes hate that the opening scene of the film is that, and it's just like there's every day when you go to work, you have to stop in the middle of the day and they play like a video and you have to like yell hatred at the screen. And it's, it's like they talk about it's like fake propaganda about the uprising and the evil people that are trying to take down the government from the inside. And you just like 
yell horrible things at the screen and get everybody up in this vitriol and like you know, you look at today's politics and it's all 100% hate based right it's like yeah. it's not nobody every single vote is a protest vote right there's nobody that is affirmedly being like I fucking love Joe Biden I'm voting for him <laughs> like, not one fucking person Jill Biden doesn't like Joe Biden like there's nobody out there who's being like yeah I really want Hunter Biden likes Joe Biden <laughs> but like <laughs> Maybe he's the only one who's real excited about making that vote. But like But that's the cocaine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and the guarding him from, from prison time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh you know, but like there's all, all these things that you know he that Orwell envisioned in this book that are very true today, where it's like hate is the extreme motivating factor for everything that we do and for political alliances and all these things. Um like the concept of memory holding, like that was invented in 1984. You know, this idea that like um, the the governmental regime will only have the current narrative be the only narrative that has ever been. And so like, you know, there's this whole thing where like, oh, we've been yeah, at war with this war. country. Yeah. Oh, but no, like, you know, we're at war. Oceania is at war with Eurasia. No, actually, Oceania is at war with East Asia. And we've always been at war with East Asia. So we have to go back to all the previous news articles and like correct them and change things. And like, you look at like, I'm gonna make some people mad with this. But but like, uh, you know, like fucking go for it. Trump derangement syndrome is a real thing. I, I fucking hate Trump. But I also hate like the democratic centrist regime that has like pushed back against him where it's like anything that Trump says is bad. The Democratic Party is now like that has always been bad. And so like you turn this into like all of a sudden, like like in the early 2000s, like, you know, Democrats were like against forever wars and we hated George Bush and all these things. And then Trump is like, hey, maybe we sh should pull out of Afghanistan or, or maybe we should like not like have this like maybe I should like have diplomacy with Kim Jong-un. And then all of a sudden, like now the democratic establishment is the most like rabid pro-war thing that has ever been where, and it's like, we have to keep fighting Russia and funding Ukraine and all these things. And it's like, Oh no, we've all, and it's like, they keep trying to erase the past. We're like, no, we didn't used to be in favor of peace. We've always been in favor of war. And it's like, we've always been at war with East Asia. It's always been this way. And like, there is, there's an effort for wh whoever is in power to erase the past to make it seem like whatever they say now is the thing that we should always do like again i'm gonna make more people mad like you know like like during COVID, it was like oh masks don't work oh masks do work oh vaccines work oh they don't work oh they do and it's like we're going through all these things and like whatever is the new thing is the thing that like we have to believe was always the case right and, and we can't like look with an open mind of oh hey we're learning we're we're gaining new scientific knowledge like we are changing our our perspective as we're going it's like whatever the current like establishment view is is the thing that everyone has to adopt and we have to like fucking shame all the people who disagree with that and and all these things and like i'm not like yeah i, I fucking vaccinated my dad died from covid because he's not vaccinated like i i hate all of the anti-vax propaganda and all that bullshit i'm just saying that like it's whatever the current like whatever the current viewpoint of the establishment is is like all of a sudden this is what everyone should believe if you don't believe that you're an evil piece of shit and like we can't have that and we need to to shame you publicly and cancel you and get you removed from twitter and, and all this stuff and it's like it's become you know post-trump has though our modern society has become very 
anti free thought and free speech and like look uh, like you know a lot of free thought and free speech is stupid and that's kind of the point <laughs> right yeah. like you know a lot of people have dumb shit to say and they have horrible ideas but like that's kind of the bedrock of american society is american stupidity and we kind of have to have that in order to have free thought and conversation that that works and um I think, I think 1984 is just a fascinating exploration of those ideas. And, and I'm kind of shocked at how true those things have become. And, and again, like, I know, like, like John, you made a comment before, like we started recording, like, oh yeah, my like conservative, like shithead friend, like talks about that all the time. And it's like, yes, a lot of people are, are citing 1984 as like, yo, yeah, this is, you know, that's how society is now. I think a lot of people are right when they say that. A lot of people are maybe coming from it, coming at it from a wrong yes. angle. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think it is a fascinating piece of, of literature. And I, I think the film is really interesting. So um, I highly recommend both uh, for people to check out um, as a you know, horrifying dystopia. The, the scariest thing you could possibly read or watch this October is, I, is 1984. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, I, and I just want to say that I thank you for qualifying conservative shithead friend because <laughs> I don't consider anybody who just says I'm conservative to be a shithead. I'll have you know out there <laughs> um, that I, I'm in favor of the let's go to the library, let's both get books, sit down, read shit and see what we learn as human beings and then talk mm -hmm. about it. And if you're still conservative after you're still conservative after absolutely sure. But when you're like, you know, calling everybody a Nazi or you're calling everybody, you know, uh, fucking, Oh, it's 1984 all over again. Here I am being oppressed. Like that's where I kind of draw the line of like, all right, dude, let's take stock in where you're fucking standing. Because <laughs> honestly, are these, I remember somebody saying net neutrality is the equivalent of the fucking book burnings in Germany. And are you fucking <laughs> oh kidding God. me? I believe it's that the opposite of the that. The dumbest yeah. Frank, fucking Like shit. by definition, I think it's the opposite of that. Exactly. And, and the moment that I called that person on it, they were like, okay, wait, let me just check my sources because Ted Cruz was my source. Oh, uh, yeah. And I was like, all right, that's where you're wrong. <laughs> but like, yeah, there's there's no reason why you can't have a, a discussion over beers, why you can't sit at the table and talk. And uh, I think that like the more that the political machine gets ramped up and the more that like different yeah. news outlets are like, this person's fucking wrong, aren't they? Like there's a lot of like blowing the horn to be like, hey, let's fucking make fun of this person because they believe this. And really the perspective should be, why don't we ask that person why they fucking think that? And then let's have a conversation, not yeah. let's just belittle this person for believing this because y'all come from different backgrounds. Everybody's a different understanding of where they're at. Everybody has a different socioeconomic profile that they're going under and they're making these assumptions based on all of that. The moment that you all start talking about it, the moment you realize, fuck, we're talking about the same thing, maybe. Uh, yeah, and exactly. shit, that's uh, fucking, that's not what I want at all. Um, yeah, like that's, that's exactly where I kind of come from with the 1984 stuff is most of the people I've talked to think about it surface level and they don't think about it after. And there's very interesting that you've like brought this whole thing up because we just talked about it in the Texas chainsaw episode. Um, you kind of brought up that like I'm vegan and you're asking my perspective on something and it was 
I would say a very respectful and appropriate way to bring up like, Hey, this is your perspective. What do you think about it? Just to curiously, you know, get my take. Mm. And while what I stated was what I believe, it's not something that I was like, Dixon, you have to believe that this is true. And I didn't call you a fucking idiot at the end of the episode. (laughs) So like we can still have, you know, conversations amicably, but I still have friends out there who post that like the demon crats are at it again. And I'm like, why, (laughs) why do you have to just other anybody? Why do you have to say this shit? Like, why can't you just say what you're afraid of? Not what you've been told to be afraid of. And then have a conversation with somebody you trust and love who might believe those things. Like, it's it's, it's, it's frustrating. Well, and like how you're, yeah. How is it that your lifestyle is suddenly an assault on my lifestyle? Right. Like that's the reaction. And there is this never back down, never concede, never cooperate mentality on both sides now. Mm -hmm. And that's just what it's become. Uh, I was actually having a conversation with someone earlier this week who is a theologist who has a degree, multiple degrees in it, uh, that was saying when she goes back to her family, they argue with her about stuff that she's like, she's like, that's not in the Bible, like, this is what's in the Bible, and they're like, well, Tuckle Carlson said it, so, like, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, but I have the degree, like, I, I know the original translation, so I'm not understand this, yeah. Like, you higher education fucking... Yeah, yeah well, that's just the, <laughs> yeah, they've indoctrinated you at the Christian university that you attend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, um, I will say, for 1984, I, I've, I've come around to it. Initially, I thought it was really cool. Not 1984, the concept, but I thought that Apple was really cool as a company. Oh, no, definitely <laughs> but not. <laughs> I've come around to the fact that Apple is just as evil as any other company can be. And the fact that Steve Jobs used 1984 to advertise the Macintosh in 1984 is the epitome of capitalism (laughs) just the funniest shit to me now it's like sad funny i'm just like that's fucking awful (laughs) if you think about that it's fucking awful yeah think for yourself and now use our products that we purposely designed to be backwards for everything think different (laughs) as we put it over a poster of albert einstein yeah as we purposely use bad grammar why didn't they put think different over oppenheimer (laughs) (laughs) oh god yeah um i I, like i i think there are you know like there are just so many interesting ideas in in the film and the book like the the book is more prose and the movie is more poetry you know so it's like the book has all the explanations of what's going on and the the movie is more like capturing the feeling and and the essence of of kind of what's happening and and i think that's kind of a good comparison between the two whether you watched the movie before or after, I do think it's important to read the book. Um, like you won't understand the movie fully without it. But there, there, like there are so many fascinating ideas that are are just so in our modern culture now. Like, it, like you know, talking about cancel culture and and things like that, and like you know, removing people from society. It, it, like in 1984, they literally literally remove people from society, and it, it's like in you know, now it's like, oh, we remove Alex Jones from YouTube and no one sheds a tear because Alex Jones fucking sucks and he like spreads a bunch of evil lies and shit. But it's also like we have like free speech in America and like, you know, probably YouTube needs to rethink their algorithm and how they push it to people. And like, maybe we should have some regulations around that stuff. But like, that doesn't mean that crazy people should be 
like removed from the internet and their opinions shouldn't be heard, right? Yeah. There are always people that society has deemed as crazy that end up being like correct in, in some form or other. And like at the end of the day, like anybody who is pro Palestine ends up getting removed from the internet and getting like, you know, the like that that's like, you know, kind of the one bipartisan group that everybody hates that just pushes out. And, you know, there there there's there's so many things nineteen oh four I think are super relevant. Like there's uh, you know, like uh, there's commentary about the military industrial complex is like basically like we create war in order to keep people poor because like we've mechanized society to the point where like there's no reason that we sh anybody should want for anything. So we just like put all the money into missiles and send them overseas. <laughs> and it's like, holy fuck. Like there's just so much wisdom in, in the book and, and so much foresight that is just shocking that this guy you know, wrote this in 1948, 1949, um, that, that I think is just really fascinating and worth reading for anybody, regardless of, you know, how you interpret it politically and, and what you think uh, the implications are on our modern society. I think it's pretty fascinating shit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's one of those things where like, I think about this often as like great art is something that is interpreted by everyone. Yeah. Like, it can be resonant with like any perspective and that's a blessing and a curse. Cause the moment that you're like, Oh, I totally resonate with that. And somebody asks you why who you are comes out of the, uh -huh. the answer. Yeah. And it's like where you were raised what you believe, how all of those things go. And I think that the real thing that that art is trying to invoke, and this is like, you know, it's Scorsese to Orwell to like anybody else yeah, is uh -huh. the moment that you both start talking about that, you should have some realization that you have common ground to bond over with the art. And then at the same time, realize that there are things that you don't agree with on either side. And why don't I agree with those? And that's what the art's supposed to kind of like create is the clash. And it's not supposed to be, you know, like you're a dumb shit like kind of clash, like a name calling mm -hmm. invocation. It's supposed to be a, why the fuck don't we agree on this? <laughs> like what exactly yeah. is it about it? That's different for us. And that's where, and a lot of times it's people identifying the same problem and just not necessarily coming to the same conclusion, but there's like something to identify with there, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it's, it's two sides of the same coin, mm -hmm. which is, you know, that's just the saying as it goes, but, yeah, I yeah. gotta check out 1984. I, I haven't seen the movie. I haven't read the book. I read it. If you Animal wanna buy the, borrow the Blu-ray, you're welcome to. Yeah, or the book. I have both, so you're welcome to, to borrow them. The, uh, Orwell's an easy read, so I know I can get through that pretty pretty well. But, um, yeah. But, yeah. And, and it's like, yeah, like like Scorsese, it's like, you know, he everybody, you know, give bros misinterpret his movies as to be like, yeah, yeah. violence is cool. Or, yeah, <laughs> like, we should just get rich and make a bunch of money and fucking and, love Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Stockbrokers <laughs> buying out full theaters to watch Wolf of Wall Street <laughs> kind of shit. And like, uh, you know, like I, I saw a, a pre-screening of Red Rocket at Austin Film Society and Sean Baker was there for, for Q&A and, and Linklater was asking him questions about the movie and he was like, um, you know, what do, you know, he asked him about the Florida Project and Baker was like, well, you know, Ben Shapiro said the Florida Project was his favorite movie of the year. <laughs> and he was like, I took a lot of pride in that because it means that anybody from any political perspective 
can at least identify with the problems that I am trying to talk about in, in my films. And I, I thought that was really interesting that he was proud of that rather than ashamed by it. It's like, no, like that's great that Ben Shapiro thinks that the Ford project is good because like, I'm trying to talk about poverty and all these things that we need to address as a society. And I have somebody who likes it and is promoting it. And, you know, maybe we can make some change. Um, even if it's from a different perspective than, you know, that, than maybe Sean Baker is, um, you know, so yeah, I, I definitely like agree that a, a piece of art that can bring people in from both sides is, is definitely, um, you know, it probably means that that piece of art is worthwhile and has something interesting to say. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we've got a recommend for schlock. A <laughs> yes. yes, you do have a recommend. For a recommend schlock. for schlock as a concept and for the specific movie of schlock, <laughs> yeah, both yeah. from John Garcia. Yes, you do. We've got a refute from Ryan for The Conjuring and a recommend yeah. from me for 1984. Uh, that is the Michael Radford version that came out in 1984, starring John Hurt and Richard Burton. With the caveat that you should probably read the book. Um. But yeah, so we got got a two and one record this week. Uh, you know, pretty pretty solid overall. Uh, one like classic horror movie, and two other movies that sound scary. Uh, you know, but may <laughs> you may not classify in the horror genre. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, thank you guys for joining us this week with me as always, John Garcia. Uh, check in with me next episode to see how my mental health is doing. Schlocktober rolls on. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be to be going very well for us. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. And also, Ryan King, we've always been your favorite podcast. Are you trying to implant that? Is that what the history is? No, that's has the been? truth. We've always <laughs> that's been That's the history. Everything else is fake news. We've always been at war with your favorite podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're Michael Dixon, obviously. So. Oh, God damn it. I never <laughs> fucking... yourself. And cut. Hey there, movie buffs, TV toughs, and all listeners in between. John here from the Afterthoughts Podcast. I just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode and say thanks for listening. If you've got afterthoughts of your own to share, hit us up. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Afterpod, or jump into a conversation on our Discord server. You can find info for this and more at theafterpod.transistor.fm. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.